this is Delilah. And this is Chase. Welcome to... The Bonds of Marriage. <laughs> I don't think that went how we wanted it uh, to. No, I don't like that. <laughs> you know what? We just have to keep doing these episodes and then we can hone it in. It's a learning process. Yeah. Well, welcome to uh, episode number two of The Bonds of Marriage. We are, we've watched, we have watched finally this week... Uh, what movie was it? Uh, from Russia with Love. From Russia with Love, the very second uh, James Bond feature film. So first of all, let's talk about the actual... So so for those of you who haven't heard this before, the purpose of this podcast is for me to convince my wife, Delilah, that the older James Bond movies are not garbage. Mm. Uh, she does not like them. She no. will not willingly watch them. Mm-hmm. And really the only way she agreed to watch him is through the medium of this podcast. But even then, uh, how long did it take us to actually finish this movie? It's a struggle. It, <laughs> it took us, I've started to fall asleep during the first like <laughs> 20 minutes of it and just said, I can't do it. And then <laughs> he brought it up to me a couple more times. Like, Hey, we should really watch it so we can, you know, record our podcast. And I was just like, no, it's so boring. <laughs> and then even during the second watch, you know, we were obviously fast forwarded. Oh my gosh. Uh, sorry, knock the mic. We fast forwarded, uh, you know, to the part I fell asleep at. And within 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, is this done yet? It was just so, (laughs) So, it was rough. I mean, it was like a three week process to actually finish the movie. So that's just a little bit of what we're dealing with here. Um, Just first impressions of the movie. So so from Russia with with Love, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, it's considered one of the most classic Bond movies, like a lot of the, you know, Sean Connery has said it was, has said it was his favorite, you know, James Bond movie to make. Um, you know, it, it has some. So how many, how many Bond movies is Sean Connery in? Uh, he's in six or seven. I don't know the exact number. I mean, okay. he, he left, he did like five, four, and then he left and came back for like two more, I think. So maybe six. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. So, and it has a few of the most like famous Bond scenes. Uh, so, you know, I was I was I was hoping that it would be better received by Delilah than <laughs> it was. <laughs> I don't know if it was still just an issue of the pacing that you just don't. Yeah, it's like, a lot of the but... pacing. It's super boring and <laughs> like just the women. This this one in particular was crazy, and I had heard just through other podcasts that I listened to that from Russia with Love specifically is like super derogatory towards women, which is kind of a common theme in, I feel like these older James Bond films, but this one was just, I mean, James Bond even said like, no, your mouth is just the right size. Like that's insane. <laughs> what man can, should say that to a woman? <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. I don't, I can't, uh, defend the misogyny that is in these older movies. Uh, so yeah, I Yeah, and I mean, I mean it is, it, it is of the kind of, time and I'm yeah. aware of it and it doesn't, you know, particularly offend me. It wouldn't make me not want to watch it. It was just kind of shocking to see. It is a little, yeah, it's a little jarring. Like there's some parts in this one where he like smacks Tanya. The, so the, we'll talk about it, but the girl in it, her name's Tanya. He smacks her in the butt just casually, you know, just stuff like that and, and just says awful things. Yeah. So it's not the best. No. Um, well, let's go through. Let's just get right into it then. Uh, we kind of break these down by, you know, there's certain things that 
a James Bond movie uh, needs to have. And so there's uh, the, the starting with the Bond theme song. Um, this one doesn't have a theme that plays during the opening credits. It's just instrumental music. Um, kind of like the first James Bond movie, but there was an actual From Russia With Love theme that was written for it. Yeah. Um, and you hear it in the end credits, and you also hear it a little bit playing over a radio uh, in one of the opening scenes. The first time you see James Bond, he's in a boat, like making out with his girlfriend, uh, Sylvia Trench from the previous movie. Mm-hmm. And like the the song from Russia with Love is playing on the radio, which is uh, interesting, you know, like they haven't really done that since, you know, where it's like part of integrated into the world of James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, the actual theme is kind of boring and I can't, I couldn't like sing it right now. Like yeah, the melody. I, I really, all I know is that it says from Russia with love in it. I don't know it's some anything else about it. Crooner, <laughs> it's like some crooner guy, kind of like a, Frank Sinatra type is singing it. So I don't know. It's fine. Yeah, kind of lackluster. You don't really remember it. Don't really care about it. Uh, one thing, though, that is somewhat notable about this one, it has the first uh, credits where it's comprised of, like, women women's bodies, like, writhing around, which has become, you know, a James Bond tradition. And so it's a bunch of, like, women, and they project the titles onto them. Yeah. And it it kind of, for me, it was like a reflection of when they went to go see the gypsies and Mm -hmm. they had the belly dancer there. That was a really big part of that whole scene. And so it kind of tied in, which I know is kind of what they they do throughout the whole series, basically, is they tie in the opening credits Mm -hmm. with scenes from the film. So kind of seemed to me like that was the beginning of all of that. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they were fine. I mean, it was, like I said, it was the beginning of what they're kind of becoming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then every James Bond movie is, well, should have some gadgets. Uh, Dr. No had virtually no gadgets. This Mm -hmm. one though, like legitimately has some cool gadgets. So what was, what was your favorite one? Uh, so obviously the one that was the, the star of the show was the briefcase with Mm -hmm. the tear gas. So that one was awesome. Um, I kind of forgot about it because it was, I obviously had it kind of written in my notes and stuff, but, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we'd watch that first scene with the gadgets and then kind of stopped watching the movie and then came back to it. So it was really cool to see Bond in that uh, train scene. And then you kind of remember, oh, like this is what he's doing. Like he's setting him up like classic Bond, you know, just yeah. making it, um, just tricking him and and with a really awesome gadget with uh, turning the little knobs on the suitcase for the tear grass to drop when he opens it up. Yeah. So this is also the first James Bond where Q shows up. Um, so he comes in at the beginning when Bond is getting his mission and gives him this briefcase and it's got like, uh, you know, a hidden knife in there that he does end up using, Uh you know, that like comes out of it. It's got the, the uh, briefcase shot bullets too, which I'm sad. They didn't they use didn't it. They didn't use it. I wonder if that like, was just like a production how thing can that, that they be? couldn't figure out. It had like how. a built-in machine gun in the briefcase and they, they did not fire it. I know. I, it had to have been a production thing. That's all. <laughs> like they just couldn't think of how they could pull that off basically. I mean, having a knife kind of pop out of the side of a briefcase is pretty basic. You know, yeah. But, and also I like that it had a hidden section for like gold coins yeah like what were these gold coins gold like, they're it, called it, gold sovereigns it was I like really john know. wick stuff with all these john it was kind of like a john wick <laughs> thing which we could talk more about yeah. how that relates to james bond that i'll just say this john wick 
uh, is a I family love James favorite. Bond, but <laughs> John Wick could like take the the is a more modern yeah. uh, version of like a James Bond type mythos. And uh, anyway, so obsessed with John it's Wick. Great. We we should do a Minnesota about John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just kind of upset. Like they didn't use the machine gun in the briefcase, but they did use the gold coins. Yeah, like it he was offers really the villain fifty gold fifty coins. gold coins for some cigarettes, and that's what creates a distraction. And then he's Which able is like, to set that's off a pretty the bad gas. villain if he could be tricked into just like taking fifty gold coins. Like if you kill the guy, all you have to do is just open up his luggage. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, like, although he's a, from Spectre, he's greedy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, other gadgets I noticed. There's a. Watch. So the the bad guy in this, um, he's a Spectre agent. His signature gadget is he has a watch that the little knob on the side, you pull it out and it turns into like a strangling wire. Yeah. So you can come up behind people and strangle them to death, which is pretty cool. I Mm -hmm. wouldn't mind one of those. Yeah. Uh, That also brings it back to that very, very first scene mm -hmm. um, when they're kind of doing like a like a, a, you know, planning this attack. It's like a training exercise. Yeah, there we go. A training exercise. And this guy has a mask of James Bond. Like (laughs) it was so. (laughs) Yeah. This is also the first James Bond to have a pre-credits like action scene. Not too much action really. It just shows James Bond creeping around some. Something. And then basically he gets killed. Yeah. Creeping around uh, a maze made of. Uh, hedges and stuff and he gets killed by the villain but then it turns with out the wire with the wire the, with the watch strangler wire and then it turns out no that wasn't James Bond that that was a very realistic James Bond mask apparently yeah. and they're just training it's Spectre doing training so mm-hmm. faked you out yep 60s idiots hey faked me out I didn't know it <laughs> looked just like him <laughs> well, it was him it literally was him <laughs> I know it was a joke <laughs> So anyway, I was happier with the gadgets. Also, he uses this gun, and I looked it up because I was like, did they make this gun up for the movie? It's basically a, a rifle where the like the stock of the rifle, all the parts of it are contained inside of it. So it's like, it looks, just looks like the wooden, you know, end of a rifle. And then you take out the barrel, uh, you take out the scope, and you like, you can put it on, you know, screw it on, and... Anyway, that's a real rifle, but it's just a cool idea. So he they, he uses that several times throughout the movie. So cool and it guns. has an infrared lens. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> wrong. They said have an infrared re- lens, and then it shows him looking through it, and everything's like red tinted, which that's not what how infrared works, but whatever. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Bond girls. Yeah, there is a bunch of girls in this one. Yeah, but the thing that was weird was uh, I wouldn't necessarily pick any of them as a Bond girl. They they seemed kind of basic. Well, like, Tanya was. She was the Bond girl by the I mean by the end, yeah, you know. I guess. They were together at the I end. I guess she was just really boring. <laughs> she just yeah, it's like Well, t- okay, so so quick plot recap. The basic outline of this is that Spectre is uh, so Russia has a machine that's kind of like the Enigma coding machine from World War II. It allows them to decode secret messages. So Spectre wants one. Uh, and then also uh, the British want one, and Spectre wants to play the British and the Russians off of each other and create, you know, a war so that they can also profit off that. That's just kind of what they do. They create chaos and stuff. So they set up this situation where there's a, a, a woman, a Russian agent, who, you know, is supposedly 
going to work for the British, but they know it's a trap. Both sides know it's a trap, but the British can't resist trying to get this machine. So they send James Bond to Istanbul uh, to meet with this Russian agent. Her name is Tatiana, I think. Yeah, but Tatiana. But she says, my friends call me Tanya. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they call her Tanya, but... Um, and James Bond is just, like, blown away at how hot she is. Yeah, can we quickly they... talk about kind of her scene? Her first scene <laughs> with James is, you know, James comes back into his hotel room from kind of all this stuff that's been going on, and uh, he notices there's something off and weird. So he starts kind of inspecting his room, and you and I, he looks through this, <laughs> <laughs> he looks through a glass window, and you see Tanya kind of like, She's like, you know, scurrying across the room and getting under the covers. And Chase turns to me and he's like, what the heck? She was totally naked. <laughs> I'm like, no, she wasn't. She's wearing a dress. And so he rewind, rewound it. And she was. She was butt naked. All she had on was a black uh, choker necklace and thigh-high nylons. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. We were both just shocked that, I mean, they don't even show that much nudity in Bond movies now. No, so I mean, it's kind 60s, of a sad thing. That was Bond movies crazy. don't have, you know, they're always PG-13, like they've never been rated R, yeah. you know? And granted, I mean, you really didn't see her breasts or anything. It was, You just kind of saw her butt, but it was just crazy that they even, for the well, 60s, showed something And also, something like, like we have these on Blu-ray, which, you know, it kind of enhances the resolution of it. And so I'm thinking, and it's very quick. It's not like it lingers on it. So I'm thinking maybe it was just such a quick scene that they didn't really... The sensors didn't really pick up on it. I don't know. Yeah. But, but so that whole scene is her. She goes into the room and then like Bond has no idea who she is. It's just this naked woman <laughs> in his room. And he just approaches her and he's like, what's up, lady? You know, just total Bond suave. He's, he's That's when he then tells her, no, your mouth is the perfect size. Kisses her. And you find out there's a two-way mirror or excuse me, a one-way mirror and... It's basically the Russians. They're like videotaping. Are videotaping them. Like recording everything. And in that moment, you don't know if Tanya knows they're doing that. You find out in the end, she had no idea that they were doing that. They were doing it to blackmail her and Bond pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and it seems like, it seems like just through the history of James Bond, like it would be so easy to kill him is just have a woman who has like half a brain and doesn't fall in love with him. You know, if she's Well, that's the trick with Bond is everyone, women are so dumb, they just uh, can't not fall. Like she could have killed him. So like he, like, again, he did not know who she was and he was just like, okay, I'll sleep with you. You're yeah. hot. You know what I mean? Like, like, how does he not have so many STDs oh, or, I guarantee like, he or does. like so many kids? Also, I'm sure he does, <laughs> but they just can't talk about it. I guess. So there's Tanya. She's not a great character for me, honestly. Like she's no. okay, but she doesn't, she's just very like, uh, she allows Doctor, well with Dr. No, it's hard for me because I compare you know, I, I did a direct comparison of Dr. No to this. And the Bond girl in that was just so great. You know, she kicked butt. She had this awesome backstory of mm-hmm. why she was doing what she was doing. And you know, yeah, really she had her, her own purpose. Like this girl, Tanya, is just being forced. Like she was just assigned to do this and told you basically have to sleep with him or we will kill you. Right. Like, she has no choice in it. And also, she doesn't stand up to him like, you know, Bond is very condescending to her and saying, and, you know, he even tells other people like, oh, she'll do what I say, you know, and he tells her, do what I say, yeah. just do it. And she just, she does. And so it's kind of disappointing in that regard where she doesn't have any of her own agency. The only thing she does sort of heroic or of her own choice is at the end, her boss 
Kreb. Number two. <laughs> number two of Inspector, or number three, I think. Oh, yes, she is number and three. And it comes in to try to kill Bond and with her poisoned uh, boot knife, and she tackles her. So she does that. I guess that's all. Well, she tackles her and she shoots and kills her. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, yeah. so she stands up for Bond. At yeah, the I mean, she there, totally but. saved his life, but um, only because she got entangled in this web of James <laughs> Bond. You know, she didn't do it to save herself. She could have walked out and been done and never seen him again. But for some reason, she's obsessed with him. Don't quite get it. She fell instantly in love. Yeah. For no reason. Uh, well, in, in addition to her, there is, like I said, Sylvia Trench, who appears in the first James Bond movie. Uh, is in the beginning of this. And I actually read that it. they were sort of planning on having Bond have this Sylvia Trench-like girlfriend throughout the series, like as a steady oh. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And then he would always leave and she'd be like all exasperated, like, oh, Bond, oh, James, you know, you're going to cheat on me. And they just, after this movie, they kind of gave up on that. They didn't want to have him, you know, have any entanglements. So she's the only Bond, you know, romantic interest who appears in more than one movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I loved her. And bringing that in with Sylvia Trench, she had one of my favorite outfits. So talking about fashion, Mm -hmm. um, she was wearing the cutest swimsuit I've ever seen. Like (laughs) it would totally be in style now. It was like a two-piece, like high-waist bottom with uh, blue and white flowers and then had these cute little like ruffle details on the cups. It was really super cute. She looked awesome. And Bond was wearing the cutest, like, short, short <laughs> baby blue. Baby blue is Sean Connery's color. He always he wears... so good in baby blue. Baby blue. And especially uh, baby blue, like, blue uh, terry cloth, like, jumpsuits. You'll see in other movies, he wears, like, terry cloth jumpsuits. Well, like, that was one of my favorite things and from Dr. No. even in this movie, he wraps... In that scene where he finds Tanya in his bed, he just wraps a terry blue, blue terry, cloth terry cloth towel around him. Yes. It's a thing. I don't know. It's great. It shows off his tan. He's <laughs> he's a good looking man. But in addition to those two girls, there's also two nameless gypsy girls. Oh my goodness. That basically become his like concubines <laughs> uh, in the gypsy camp. So there's a, there's a highly offensive, in my opinion, scene towards like gypsies. Well, I, th- I don't think it's just my opinion. I think it's well, we to say it's offensive. Well, towards gypsies and women. It's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> they... So, they have to go to a gypsy camp for various reasons. I don't even, it's not important really. But uh, there's two gypsy women who uh, are going to fight each other because they're fighting over the same man. They want the chief's son. The chief's son. So it's kind of this weird, like, you know, cat fight, like cage match thing. It like shows them fighting and yeah. they're wearing like. I don't know, like hot one, pants. One, and- yeah, one of them was wearing like high-waisted uh, shorts that were actually, real. she looked really cute and like a crop top and then tied a little sash around her. And the other one was wearing uh, like a long skirt with like a high slit and another crop top. Like they looked awesome. Like they were really pretty. <laughs> I'm glad you remember what everyone wears. That's your, like, I don't, I can't. <laughs> Sometimes I'll notice some Because it's the one thing I kind of pay attention to because <laughs> everything else is so boring. <laughs> but yeah, like when they were fighting, it was nuts. It, and the film was just sped up. It wasn't like a real fight. And obviously, I mean, it's movies. Like they didn't want these women to actually be hurting each other. Um but they're just kind of like yanking at each other's hair and kind of trying to choke each other. And it like really shows bizarre. the men just like just watching, watching them, just like leering, yeah. like drinking, like, yeah. Yeah. We, and then is, that's, and then Spectre stuff. comes, it was, oh no, excuse me. It was Russia comes in and starts shooting up. Yeah. The Russians uh, the in the bull. So it's basically like the Russians are using the Bulgarians as their troops. So it's like a Russian guy and then some Bulgarian people come in and. 
I don't know, attack all the gypsies. And and I thought it was funny. There's this long action sequence and like Sean Connery is just like kind of wandering all around. He, yeah. Like he randomly shooting he, people. No, he, wasn't, he was like randomly ha- throwing a knife. My favorite was he did it twice. These guys like go into fight and they like run into a tent and he just like cuts the rope to the tent so it falls <laughs> on him. And then he's walking by another fight and there's a wagon that's tied on something and he cuts the rope to the wagon and it starts rolling and runs over there. It's like it was just so funny. It was like the laziest. <laughs> like he was putting like two, th- you know, one third effort into like defeating. I don't know. It was funny. And actually it kind of gets, I like Sean Connery as Bond, but I feel like he is overrated where people are like, he's the best Bond. It's like he, he's not very at tough. times, at times he is clearly not giving full effort to what he's doing. And right. it gets worse as the movies go on. After a while, he was really only doing it for the money and he wasn't, he just didn't care anymore. And so, especially like You Only Live Twice um, and Diamonds Are Forever, some of his last ones, he is not a great action guy. Right. Well, and this one was so weird with the action too. Like the train scene was great and he did, it was, yes. it, it was a very reminiscent to, um, uh, which one was it? Was it Skyfall when they he when Daniel's running on the on the train and then the cars mm-hmm. that's Skyfall right Yeah he drops he's on a he's on a like a like a big piece of what is it called a what are those called uh like a construction scooper thing I don't know what those are Right called. yeah like and a he jumps into and the he, train and then yeah, he fixes, fixes his, his cuff. cufflink Yeah it was it was very reminiscent of that and just not obviously shot for shot but just kind of nostalgic for it almost which I can now tie back to 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 this which is nice Well he but, afterwards he fixes his tie Exactly Well um, and also in the last one um Spectre they he has that fight with uh Dave Bautista on the train do you remember? remember? No. Well, you I don't remember? remember. I, I think that was basically this. a direct uh, homage to this, to the train scene in this one. They're on a train and they're sleeping and he, he comes in. His name is like Mr. Hinks or something. I don't know. Dave Bautista's guy. And he, they just have this brutal fight on a train. And then he like is able to like kick him out of the train. I, I don't remember this at all. I don't know why I don't. But anyway, <laughs> don't yeah, the fight on the train in this movie, I think for me is the highlight. Like it's just, a, it's, you can tell it's mostly them, you know, it's not uh, stuntmen and it seems more realistic in terms of like, just they're, how they're just throwing they're each other around. Yeah. Smashing each other. They're in a very enclosed space. So they're like throwing each other into the walls and it's just very brutal and, and well done. I think it almost stands out from the rest of the movie of like, the rest is so almost like sla- the action scenes are kind of slapdash and not thought out, you know? So I don't know. Uh, so those are the girls. Oh, yeah. So anyway, after the the gypsy uh, fight, he, you know, James Bond says, I don't want these girls to fight. You know, I'll choose, you know, which one gets the... Gets this, to marry this Gets son. to marry this guy. And so they bring him to his tent, and then he's like, oh, well, choose. And then apparently he just chooses both of them for, for, to stay for himself. Uh, it kind of, yeah, it's kind of, uh, yeah. Just a weak <laughs> plot line, I guess. It just, they didn't do anything with it, really. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about locations. So I was you confused did where they tell were me the halfway through. Time. You're like, where even are they? And I was like, they're been in Istanbul. With, this is the my whole issue. Time. It's like they it, it doesn't. They don't explain anything. Like you they have no him, idea. They showed what him the getting to Istanbul. 
whatever. And like checking knew, into his hotel in Istanbul. But it just made it seem like he was going to all these different places. Like I, it was hard for me to realize well, like he, yeah, he never I mean, left Istanbul. It yeah, they, they so do weird. the thing in, like in James Bond movies where it's like they give you the, the greatest hits of like touristy places because these are, you know, they are kind of like a half tourism guide of the cities. So he goes to, you know, the famous mosques and different places in Turkey. He goes to the countryside. He goes into some catacombs. And and it kind of gives you a flavor of all the coolest sites of the city. But yeah, he was in Istanbul. Um, It also takes place in uh, Venice. Mm -hmm. There's some scenes. There's a chess tournament at the beginning that's in Venice. And then they kind of end up there at the end somehow. That's, yeah, they they're 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 on the Orient Express, which I guess was a real thing. It's like a train route that went from Istanbul and then like through Europe, and so they're on that train, and then they get off eventually, and then are. I think they're supposed to go from Greece, uh, Greece to London. Well, is that what they said? Well, no. He he goes from Greece to Venice on a boat. But they were the supposed end. to end up in London. Yeah, eventually he would, but he just had to get off. So he could go through customs because he had the machine. Oh, okay. Anyway. See, again, it makes no, they don't explain it. <laughs> it also shows a cool like Spectre Island that they have where one of my favorite scenes is they're walking through all these different scenes of like Spectre agents training. Like there's like ninja combat. There's like people with flamethrowers and like gun ranges and stuff like that. That was, it's always fun, cheesy moments there. Um, so better, it's better than uh, Dr. No, where Dr. No it was just all Jamaica and all looked kind of crappy. At least this had some kind of more interesting sights and stuff. So Well, I, and when they yeah. go to the island, that's when you meet, uh, what's his name, Grant? Uh-huh. Grant, who is the... Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw, who he's the, um, the Spectre agent who's kind of shadowing Bond the whole time and who he has the big fight with in the train. And he was great. He was really... He was awesome, uh, He was actually. really charismatic. He was super handsome. Um, and bleach blonde. Bleach blonde. Super tan. It. But he was really funny. They go to that island and it's number three, you know, kind of inspects him to see and she punches was it her yeah it was her yeah, she just she punches him, him in, in the, the gut. gut yeah <laughs> he like doesn't budge doesn't do anything She's and like, it's okay. like this guy is awesome <laughs> which is so funny i was telling delilah like only maybe like 10 or 15 years later he's uh in jaws as quint who's this like crazy guy and in, in like not good looking at all it's just weird how he's kind of different in all his roles but yeah he like robert shaw is grant I think is one of the best things about this movie. Like I just didn't really love Sean Connery in this movie for I some didn't. reason. I, I thought, don't know. yeah, it, I mean, he was just tough to love. I really didn't care. I love, I really liked him in Dr. No, just in this one in particular, it was almost like Sean, it was like Sean Connery didn't care almost. And just that everything was just supposed to be expected. It was almost as if James wasn't trying to, to be successful. I don't know. It was really weird. It was like he just expected everything to work out to his plan. That, he that's wasn't kind ex- of something I've noticed about a lot of James Bond movies is that like James Bond is the worst spy. Like, you know what I mean? Like he always just, he, he never tries to blend in. He uses his real name. If they do give him a cover, he immediately like doesn't use it. Um, he like will fail all his tasks, but then at the end of the movie, you know, he'll just win by default it's kind of weird. It's kind of something that like some of my my 
favorite Bond movies is where he's actually good at stuff. But then they kind of take it to an extreme, and we'll get to this, but in the Roger Moore movies, it's like Bond is this insane know-it-all. Like, he knows everything about everything. I hate know-it-alls. Like, he knows... Uh, the kind, the na- Latin names of insects and just all this stuff. And it's like, why would you know that? You're an agent, you know? So I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, he was like, he knew it was a trap and he just assumed he would be able to get away with it, you know? And I don't know what that was based on, like his confidence. I don't know. But yeah, I agree. Not yeah. the best version of Bond in this movie. No, not at all. But um, speaking of all this stuff we haven't talked about we haven't talked about we've talked about grant but we haven't talked about the real villain which is blofeld blofeld is yeah he's briefly in it he just kind of sets it up and at you the see beginning. his little kitty and he's so cute mm-hmm. but um yeah it's exciting to see the setup of this villain that is you know so iconic that everyone knows about and now you know it's now been tied back into the daniel craig films mm-hmm. that you know i love um with christoph waltz who mm-hmm. I love so much, you know, so I'm excited to see who portrays him. I'm being totally like in the dark about all this. I'm not, I don't, I don't want to look up characters or pictures or anything. I like just getting like the raw information from Mm -hmm. the film. Um, So yeah, I'm excited to kind of see how he plays out and like what he kind of does. Yeah. Cause you don't, in this one, you don't see his face. No. Um, You just see his hands and his cat and actually, and I will say this, Blofeld is played by a different actor every time. (laughs) Oh, weird. Yeah. I don't know why. Even when you do see his face. Like this one, it wouldn't matter who's Hmm. playing him really, you know, because you just see his hands. But he kind of changes actors every movie he's in. Interesting. That's odd. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, there's Blofeld. There's Kreb. And and we were just talking about this too, how like this movie is one of the classic Bonds that uh, Austin Powers was parodying. Yeah. And like if you have only seen Austin Powers and then you see this, it's almost hard to watch because it's like... You know, Austin Powers took the inherent ridiculousness of all this stuff and just like played it for laughs. And now when you watch it and you see, you know, where it started and you're just like, oh man, this is I think that is what's kind of hard for me because I did, you know, I grew up watching Austin Powers. I never had seen any of these Bond films really Mm -hmm. because I didn't really care about them that much. And so it's so funny when you see like... Oh, yeah. number three, number five. And it's uh-huh. like, oh my yeah, God, they, they really numbered stuff. them. Yeah, like and Dr. Evil she... is clearly exactly, looks exactly like Blofeld. Well, and number and... three looks exactly uh-huh. like that character What's in her name Powers. in Austin Powers? I don't even know, but they it's are like identical. It's like, are they mother and daughter? Like, it was so <laughs> crazy that this they look like the same person, which is like, kudos to Austin Powers and their casting for getting that right on the nose because it was hysterical. Yeah, it's funny. So... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh man. So yeah, we've got the you've got the villains, and and I do love that um, Spectre. Like it showed two different Spectre agents have uh, boot knives. Like that's like a big part of their yes. way they kill people is with poisonous knives knives in their boots. In their boots. That's how well, she tried Blo- to kill. And Bond Blofeld at the end. even said he's like he you know he kills he has he a kills henchman come five. in and kill number five <laughs> and. Right in front of him, when he drops down, he's like, oh, 12 seconds. We need to get a better poison or something. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, my gosh, how funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think, oh, we haven't talked about cars. This is a little weak on cars. Super Mostly weak on trains. cars. Mostly uh, trains. Yeah. The one notable car in all the books, um, Bond, they talk about how he has a green convertible Bentley that he just loves, like he's obsessed with. And in this movie, at the very 
beginning scene where he's at the river, like with Sylvia Trench, uh, you do see his convertible and it is a green Bentley, like from the books. And he has a, a car phone, which is pretty like, oh, novel yes, for right. the sixties. I guess that could be a gadget, but, um, car phones, I think were like brand new back then. Um, but yeah, besides that, there's, you know, they have a few car chases somewhat within Istanbul, but Bond isn't really driving in any of them. He's sort of no, being he's driven being around. driven in yeah. all of them. So not a lot of cars. In the next one, uh, Goldfinger is where some of the like classic cars, not to spoil anything, but some of the classic cars uh, show up. All right. Um, I think that's all our categories. Yeah. You think of any, what, any other stray thoughts? What's your overall summary of it? I did ask you if you like this one or Dr. No Better, and you said you like Dr. No Better. Yeah, I really, <laughs> I'm kind of shocked myself with that answer. I, it really was just kind of as a whole, I liked kind of all of our categories more. You know, I liked the clothes more. I liked the Bond girl more. Mm-hmm. I liked uh, the villain, I guess, more. No, I no, that's not true. I liked Grant a lot. Um, he's really, like I said, charismatic. Grant and, was awesome. And charming. You mm-hmm. know, I would, so, I would have so, fallen for him. Yeah, Grant, it's cool because throughout the movie, he really doesn't speak. He's basically silent. Yeah, well, he's totally silent. Until the very end where he is impersonating a contact that Bond is supposed to make at a train station. So Grant gets there, kills, you know, the contact and, and takes his place. And... Then, and, and it's interesting, he, he's talking in this sort of, like, very uh, stereotypical, like, oh, like, like, like British a, like high class. Like a radio, yeah. per, like, ah, nah, 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 nah. Like, like, just really uh, high, though. Oh, oh, boy, oh, you know, just, like, yeah. this very high class British thing. And then once uh, they start fighting, he kind of drops his pretense, his accent, and it's more like an Irish accent. I don't know what his actual accent is. He is British somehow, but anyway, it was just good acting. Like you could just tell, I think he like, like his character and the fight on the train, I think are what this makes this movie worth it to me. I wouldn't go back to this one. Like of all the James Bond movies, if I was, if I was just going to sit down and watch one, I don't think I'd go back to this one very much, but, um, I think it makes, uh, you know, a few of those scenes do make it worth it. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, uh, hopefully, okay, our next movie is Goldfinger, mm-hmm. which most people, or not most people, but a lot of James Bond fans consider as kind of the stone cold classic James Bond movie. Um, and so I'm hoping you will like th- that one a little better. It has a, a little bit more of the like things we come to expect from a James Bond movie. I think it might be a little faster in terms of pacing, like a little bit. Um, so hopefully you don't like, I'm, my hope was you would kind of like them better as we went on, but the trend now is that you've liked, you like them less Yeah, (laughs) and it took, and we have to like watch them in several different like sessions. I know our goal is to watch one a month so we can record an episode once a month and we barely squeaked by with this one. I think we were a little bit behind (laughs) on it, but I mean, it's totally my fault. And that's kind of the whole point of the podcast is that. We're trying to convince me that these aren't garbage. And so far, I'm not convinced. <laughs> I do think Sean Connery is a total babe. Um, he's totally balding, and it is He has a very, a very apparent hairpiece in all these movies. Well, but, yeah, it's yeah. like a hairpiece, and then they, like, paint on hair. It's really weird. <laughs> but he's super good-looking, and hopefully, you know, it gets better with how they treat women. I don't really know. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. 
I don't think it gets better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's odd. But um, yeah, this one was just kind of disappointing. Like the fashion wasn't that awesome. Like uh, yeah, like in terms of outfits and stuff. Like you kind of talked about the ones you noticed. Yeah, like Tanya wore some there wasn't, cool kind of yeah. like matching pieces that were just kind of very sixties businesswoman esque. You know, but nothing really awesome. Like I thought she had ugly sixties hair. Like I think hair oh, and the sixties hair that, can be okay, but it I don't know. Well, um, the one thing I I mentioned it when you and I were watching it was. You know, they go onto this train. They're going from wherever to wherever. I don't know. Istanbul to London. um, Bond basically, like, brought onto the train the suitcase full of, like, 90s for her to wear. Like, he didn't even bring her clothes, clothes. Like, he he just brought her her 90s. 60s nightgown lingerie things. (laughs) And she changed into two different nightgowns within the span of, like, 30 minutes. And within that time, she had... Four different hairstyles, which I'm like, holy crap, that is crazy. Like, <laughs> doesn't make any sense why that's going on. So just little things like that where it was just like so unbelievable of what was going on. <laughs> well, here's hoping. Uh, just remember that the bonds of marriage will return with Goldfinger. Goldfinger for coming back. Okay, Give bye. Bye. From Russia with love, I fly to you much wider.